On this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by First Fidelity Bank, we jump right into local college football news with a few OU football updates and a recap of the Oklahoma State-Tulsa game in the National College Football Roundup. We discuss a few of the best games of the weekend and take a look at the Big Ten schedule that was released. We give our winners and losers of the weekend and wet the beak with Monday night football between the Saints and the Raiders. Then we discuss new seating policies that were released for OU games in Keeping It Local. Please download and subscribe to the podcast. Rate it five stars and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those and you'll find us. All right. My man Michael Hosty will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Monday, September 21st, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by First Fidelity Bank. And First Fidelity Bank has a special offer for our listeners only. Visit ffb.com slash win to enter to win an OKC Energy FC prize pack that includes four tickets to the home game on September 27th, four energy scarves, and an energy jersey. You have until September 23rd to enter, and FFB will pick a winner September 24th. First Fidelity Bank is a full-service financial institution based in Oklahoma with tailored solutions for all your personal and business needs. Checking accounts, saving accounts, home loans, and much more. They do it all, whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone. Everything is stress-free with FFB. Making mobile deposits, paying bills online, and moving money to different accounts could not be easier First Fidelity Bank provides free ATMs worldwide, making banking convenient wherever you are. They also give back to the community. FFB donates a total of more than $500,000 to local charities and educational foundations. Make your life easier and go bank at First Fidelity Bank. Now, we're recording this on Sunday night, and we are recording right during the middle of your Patriots playing the Seahawks, Teddy, and... I feel like we have opposite emotions right now because I we record the same time on Sunday nights every time, and your squad just happens to be playing when we're recording. I know I, I assume you're recording it, you're DVRing it, correct? Thank God for technology, baby. That's all I can say. DVR is my friend right now. So I know you're probably not thrilled with that but i feel like we have completely opposite emotions right now because guess what i got out of because i had honey i've got to i've got to go record the podcast i can't keep teddy waiting hmm um guys sunday evening i don't even know i got out of organizing the garage oh god yeah yeah yeah, so huge win for me. Uh, very unfortunate for you. But yeah, we just got the the garage, you know, the surface, the epoxy or whatever it's called. It's really cool. 
It feels really good on your feet. That stuff's awesome. Yeah, it's awesome. But my wife, we, she was like, okay, we're organizing the garage today. And I'm like popping in and out watching football. And she's like yelling at me, like, come here, organize this garage. I'm like, okay. And she's still going at it. And I was like, I'm so sorry, honey. I've, uh, I've got to go record the podcast. I, I, I don't know what to tell you. This is when we record. Hey, let me tell you something. Anytime you have to organize any room in the house or the garage or anything, just text me and we'll have to shoot a like or an emergency podcast. We can find something to where we've got to get something uh, on air. Just crazy developments, honey. <laughs> crazy development. I, me and Teddy, we got to do it now. We got to do it now. <laughs> I can't help you clean the bathroom. I just can't. <laughs> But yeah, so I got out of uh, organizing the garage while you're not getting to watch your squad play. So I feel like we're coming in to this episode with different mindsets. But it cancels you know, out. It's perfect. Yeah, we'll be fine. All right, let's get to the local college football news. And that is brought to you by Will and Wiley Hard Seltzer from Coop Aleworks. Guys, stop acting like you're too manly and just accept it. Hard seltzers are amazing. And there's only one hard seltzer that we drink on this podcast. And that is Will and Wiley Hard Seltzer. It's perfect for any occasion. We drink it by the pool, at the lake, and at the tailgate. It's made in Oklahoma, and it's absolutely delicious. Will & Wiley is customized for the Oklahoma lifestyle. Go find it right now in a store near, near you, and go follow them on social media at, at Will & Wiley. If you're drinking some, tag us in your social media posts to let them know. All right, let's get some, uh, you know, few, uh, few uh, OU notes here. Uh, they're up to number three in the AP poll, so that's that's cool. I mean, you always you're in, you're in the top three, right behind Bama and Clemson. So feel good about that. Now, one interesting about interesting thing about OU this weekend, they practice Saturday, they practice Sunday. We talked about Lincoln Riley doing that. Really, the only option you got to help the kids protect them, or I guess protect them from themselves. But uh, one interesting thing, they're getting back to full strength. That, that's what I would, was told, and they had both practices in the morning also, so I loved that. And they're doing their best to get the guys that ha- have been out back up to speed physically, but also mentally, Ted, because you know how it works. You know, things are changing within the season, even when you've only played one game and it was Missouri State. You're, you're constantly making adjustments when it comes to schemes, personnel, how you're doing things. So you got to get those guys back up to speed, even though they've been in those Zoom meetings. But it's just kind of it's kind of difficult when you've been away for that long. It's really difficult. Um, there's a diff- different mindset of whenever you've been. I mean, let's call it what it is. It's like it's vacation. Even though you don't want it, didn't request it, would rather be with the team. It's, it's a vacation. You're off uh, doing nothing while everyone else has spent a ton of hard work in. So – there's an acclimation period coming back. I mean, some of these guys, 14 days to be out is it, during a it's football a season time. is a long, long time. A lot happens in 14 days in a football season. So, yeah, I mean, you got to get back physically. You got to get back mentally, you know, and we talked about this in an earlier episode, but camp rules was against Missouri State, right? Everything's really basic. We're not changing anything big that we do because – we should be able to go out there and win this football game. That has ended. That's not going to be the same anymore. The rules for your defense are going to change week in, week out. I'm sure offensively, protection stuff is going to change. Route combinations are going to change week in, week out. So 
um, you've got to lock in and focus now and get those guys that have been out back and up to speed with everyone else. Yeah, so they're trying to work all those guys in. But, yeah, that's what I was told. They are back to full strength. I mean, that's the direct quote. So that's positive. Now, there's only three COVID tests in between now and the K-State game. What could happen? What could go wrong? What, what could go wrong? We'll, we'll, well see. we're running out of things that could go wrong with all the guys that have been out. So You know what? That's a good point. At, at what point are they just – are they a complete layman theory team yet? It seems like they're probably pretty close. Everyone uh, – throughout the season, everyone is finally going to get there. My theory was to get there in June, though, so that's the difference. <laughs> yeah, now uh, there was an interesting story in college football. Cade Mays, a really good offensive lineman, has now been cleared, granted a waiver to play at Tennessee, that whole weird situation that involved like his dad severing a finger, you know, weird things going on with Georgia, but he got cleared. So maybe the NCAA will have some time to clear Chris Murray so he can play because they still haven't heard back. It, it, it's just ridiculous at this point. I, I think we've all given up on the suspended guys. You know, they're just going to have to serve their time and then get back when they get back. But Chris Murray should be able to play. I, I don't understand. Like, how is this so difficult? This doesn't make any sense. It's still – it's just continuing to piss me off. That's why I continue to bring it up. Well, I mean – And because he's really good, and they like well, him a lot. And he's going to play, and I want to watch him play. I want him to play. I want him to be on the team. I want him to be eligible whenever everyone is playing this year, and it's not going to cost him a year. So, um, to single out a couple of cases – I think is strange, but here's the thing, man. Just give us something. Tell us he he's going to be able to play. Tell us he's not. Tell us we're looking into it. Tell us the reason it's what's holding us up is X, Y, Z. Whenever you don't give any like follow up anything at all, it just makes everyone think that you don't care, which I think is the ultimate truth. I don't think they care. Yeah, which is annoying because this is a guy, even though you feel good about OU's group up front, even without him, I'm telling you, this is a guy that would probably start for this football team. Like, that's how well he has been playing, has been playing throughout training camp. So, uh, it's, just, it's just frustrating because it, it makes no sense. It, it doesn't make any sense, and we'll see. We'll see if we hear anything. Here in the next couple of days, I'm not gonna not gonna get my my hopes up. The NCA is it is what it is. But speaking of things that were a little weird, OSU Tulsa was uh, that was an in. And since we don't have an OU game to recap, I figured we you know go over that football that football game because Oklahoma State and Tulsa. Well, they're they're in the state of Oklahoma, so. I figured a lot of people care, but Oklahoma State with a very unimpressive 16-7 to win over Tulsa. And let's talk about the Oklahoma State offense first, Ted. Spencer Sanders goes down early with the ankle, so they bring in Ethan Bullock. And the second we all see that kid's – the second we see that kid's face squished into that helmet, we knew he wasn't going to be any good. So they had to bring in Shane Illingworth who hadn't practiced in two weeks, and he comes out there and saves the day by throwing a few jump balls to Tylen Wallace, who decided he wanted to play. And then Illingworth 
also looked incredibly tall out there. I know, I think he's like 6'5", but he looked about 6'10", Ted. That guy looked like a giant. Yeah, I was, I was kind of laughing, you know, after the game. Illingsworth, he's a hugger, okay? He's a hugger. He went around and hugged everyone on the team, uh, was smiling. You know, for him to go out, he, he didn't expect whenever the day started to go out there and, and get the win at quarterback, I'm sure. So the fact that they walked out of there with the W was, was really good for him. But I don't think anyone else was nearly as excited as he was about that win. Um, but, hey, he did enough to get him the, the W uh, behind a shaky offensive line, a shaky Ooh. running game. I mean, I don't know. Here's the thing, and here's why I'm not overreacting to this. This has been such a difficult preseason for everyone. You can't just look at the the training camps of all these teams and assume that everyone's had an equal training camp. Take OU, for example. OU's had a couple of different guys that missed 28 days of preseason practice because of contact tracing. So every team is going through different things like this. It's not a standard training camp where everyone gets uh, X amount of practices for full strength. Yeah, a couple of guys get banged up here and there, but – Teams are just doing what they can to continue to practice uh, with, with big chunks of missing pieces at uh, very long intervals, you know, 14-day intervals. So it's been incredibly difficult. It's a terrible look for Oklahoma State, but I'm not going to overreact just yet. They've got some big issues, but I feel like they're going to bounce back. Are they better? Yeah, I, I think they're a better team than what we saw against Tulsa and you mentioned that O-line and that running game I mean that O-line they gave up six sacks several of them on a three-man rush I was sitting there screaming at my TV Uh, they could not dent what I call dent the line of scrimmage especially in their zone concepts they're just running sideways no push and that's how that's how successful zone running games you know get started is yes you stretch them laterally but you also dent the line of scrimmage that's what allows the back to get downhill so he's not just running horizontally so you you have to dent the front side they weren't doing that at all and uh, Chuba Hubbard I I don't want to be too critical of him because I don't think the O-line was doing him any favors in this game but it didn't look to me like he was exactly running the hardest I've ever seen him run. I actually thought LD Brown was a more effective back for them in that game and probably should have gotten more carries with how hard that dude was running. But yeah, that O-line just not a good showing at all. And we thought the strength of this team for sure was going to be the offense. But once Sanders went down, they just looked a little lost. And that's to be – I guess that's understandable when your starting quarterback goes out in one of the first couple of series of the game. Like, yeah, that's going to shake you up a little bit, but it shouldn't matter who's back there at quarterback. That offensive line, they've got to play better. That's bottom line, Ted. They were – and I, I know those guys are really disappointed in the way they played. There's no doubt. But I do want to give Tulsa some credit. I, I thought those guys battled their asses off in the front seven – I also thought those corners played about as aggressive as aggressive as you can at corner. And 
they played with attitude. So I, I know that we're a lot of people are being very critical of Oklahoma State, but we do need to give Tulsa some props. That's Avon Collins kid. Oh boy, he, he was making some plays. That's a big dude. I know he was. And uh this is the next up in the episodes of why I would suck as a football coach. Because if my team had fought their tail off to find themselves, um, what, 13-7 to in the fourth quarter, going in on a touchdown run to have it called back on a false start, only to end up screwing around the next several plays and then missing a field goal, I'd have a mental meltdown right there on the sideline. I'd, I'd totally collapse. My heart would explode in my chest. <laughs> there, were, there were quite a few mistakes by the Golden Hurricane in that one. So many penalties. And I feel like a lot of them were on the coaching staff getting the play in late. Like, how many times did they almost get delay of game? It was just – it was wild yeah. to watch. You know what Even I the love? announcers, they were like – what what is going on? Like even they were like, what are they doing? I love whenever it takes forty seconds to send in the draw play signal. Right? Let's take all of the time on the clock, barely get it off to run the inside zone. I don't, makes, I don't get that. Yeah, make <laughs> I once again I I yelled at my TV. What I have zero like emotional attachment to Oklahoma State or Tulsa. But I was very into that game as I was watching it. Just and, and I was yelling a lot. I was frustrated at a lot of things. It was I, a weird deal. So let me ask you this. As that game is late and it's tight and Tulsa has a chance to win it, where did you find yourself pulling? Pulling for Tulsa for the upset? Uh, hoping that Oklahoma State pulls it off so the Big 12 doesn't look like uh, a bunch of turds? Where, where were your um, – Where'd you end up pulling for? Who'd, who'd you end up pulling for down the stretch? Yeah, the latter for me. I, I kind of always think of games like that. They're like, hey, what would be best for OU? Right? I, I think we all probably think that way for our, TV, or for our team when we're watching other teams on TV. Like, hey, what outcome would be best for my team? And Oklahoma State winning that game, even though they didn't look good, was the best outcome. So I was like, okay, this is great. This has been a close game. But, yeah, when uh, Zach Smith threw that touchdown and they called that false start, I was like, whew, okay, good. <laughs> nice sigh of relief. But, yeah, I was, I was cheering for Oklahoma State, kind of. I, I mean, I wouldn't have been heartbroken if they lost. Don't get me wrong. But I wanted them to win. I, I also think they're a better football team than the way they played. Well, what do you one. think about the end of the game where Gundy has basically said – okay, we're going to knee on it, take a knee. They almost, like, fumbled the handoff on first down. So second down, they're like, okay, let's, let's quit screwing around, around here. Let's just take the knee, and we'll be fine. And then Tulsa, knowing they can't win the game, and o no Oklahoma State's just going to knee it out, call a timeout so they can get a field goal kicked on them. Like, explain that to me. I, I think Phil Montgomery did – did some weird things. <laughs> I don't I don't know how well coached that Tulsa team is. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna call it how I see it. Now but. if it was if a if a field goal makes you down eight, okay, 
and it's a one-score game and there's like 10 seconds left on the, on the clock, okay, maybe I would understand. But whenever <laughs> it's still a two-score two game, I have no idea what the, what the reasoning in that is. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not particularly sure. Once again, uh, a few <laughs> questionable situations from a coaching standpoint in that game, but I, I did like, for the most part, like what I saw from Oklahoma State's defense. Uh, now it could have been a little more difficult if Shamari Brooks would have played. That sucks. Um, Towards ACL in practice, that's really unfortunate. But Zach Smith and that Tulsa offense, they aren't exactly a high-powered bunch. But anytime you hold a team to seven and make them go over on third-down conversions, that's a pretty solid performance. I have some serious concerns about Oklahoma State's defensive line, especially holding up in the run game. But there's not that much you can complain about. They, they won them that game. But, Teddy, I know you were watching them closely. What did you see from Oklahoma State's defense? I, I expected um, against a team like Tulsa that there was going to be – maybe they'd give up a few big plays, but they would create a ton – of big plays themselves. And while they were for the most part solid, as you uh, mentioned, 0 for 11 on third down, I still, I don't know. It left quite a bit to be desired for whatever reason, you know, that offensive line from Tulsa is, was not very good. Um, and they got movement. They got a couple pancake blocks out there that I was uh, shocked by you know, but whenever they needed to, they got stops, they got off the field. And at the end of the day, that's the most important thing. Whenever you lose your quarterback early, your offense just doesn't have it. And you can hold the team to seven. That's, that's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, I'm a little worried about Oklahoma State's defensive line when they play quality offensive lines. Yeah, I, I agree I think, 100%. I think they got a potential uh, to get pushed around by a good offensive line. But, hey, a win's a win, right? Not the uh, performance they wanted, but we'll see what happens with Spencer Sanders moving forward. We'll see what happens with Chuba Hubbard. I thought he might opt out at halftime of that game with the way it was going, but he did I mean, that's a serious question, though. Like, for a guy that felt like early on this season he may not play this year, I, if the reason he really came back was to probably try and win a Heisman Trophy and – to try and make a college football playoff. And if they lose to Tulsa, all of those things are out the window. So I wonder what would have happened with Chuba had they lost that game. It's really, it's honestly something to think about. I suppose we'll never know, but <laughs> uh, this is probably all you need to know about the way Oklahoma State played. They fell to number 15 in the AP poll uh, because of that performance. So not great, but hey, wins win. Could have been better. Always can be better. Certainly should have been better, but we'll see what's up with Spencer Sanders. I, I expect Oklahoma State to be a better football team than what we saw. Now, we're going to do – I haven't come up with a cool name for it, Teddy, but so in this local college football segment, we're going to start taking a Twitter question uh, from a listener. We're going to put it out there, and then we'll, we'll answer our favorite one right here. So I, I don't know. It, is there something catchy you can think of, like – the local listener question that that sounds stupid, but there's, is there something, can we come up with something catchy? Do you got anything catchy? 
I don't know that you could ever think of anything catchier than local listener question. I mean, that just hits everything right there. That's that pretty hit, good. I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty self-explanatory, right? It, it, but the local listener question is brought to you by Rock and Roll Tequila. Rock and Roll Tequila is the ultra premium tequila that hits all the right notes. It's won all kinds of awards for superior taste and smooth finish. To find a store that it has it, visit rockandrolltequila.com or check out their Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. This stuff is good. If you don't want to take my word for it, maybe you'll listen to this guy. This is Coach Bob Stoops. When you're a college football coach, it's important to have an eye for talent. The same holds true when choosing your tequila. When I tried rock and roll, I liked it so much, I decided to become a partner in this Oklahoma-owned company. Crafted in the highlands of Jalisco, Mexico, the smooth taste of rock and roll's triple distilled platinum, our Añejo, called Cristalino, and the incredible premium quality mango tequila are awesome. Our defiantly unique guitar-shaped bottles make it easy to find, and you'll love the ultra-premium quality and taste. No excuses. Make rock and roll your game day tequila. Tastefully rebellious, start the party with rock and roll. Okay, and today's local listener question, that just doesn't sound good. How about local? this? You know, we had, we had Coach on to talk about the rock and roll tequila, and since we are talking about a good, high-quality tequila, how about it's uh, take a shot. Uh, take a shot at the guys. Whatever Ooh. local listener, take a shot question um, with rock and roll tequila. I like that. God, you, you, you're so creative, man. I'm proud of you. Okay, well, today's, you know, okay. Nathan Mangrum is taking a shot at us, Ted. Uh, his question on Twitter, with the lack of production on Oki Light's O-line, will Chuba break 1,200 yards this season? Well, didn't need to call him Oki Light, but, you know, it, it is what it is. He's, he's clearly – an OU fan, his uh, handle is at Soonerborn underscore 90. <laughs> so probably should have expected that. But I, I still think Chuba Hubbard, if he stays healthy, of course, if he plays the full 10-game season, he's going to be a 1,000-yard guy. There's no doubt about it. Uh, will he be a 1,200-yard guy? Probably. Uh, we talked about it. I, I don't think he's going to get anywhere near the 2,000 he got. Now, clearly, playing less games. So, of course, he's not. But – I just don't know that when they play quality defenses, like, and there's not very many quality defensive lines in the Big 12, let's be real, but they could really struggle running the football. And unless he just breaks one of his classic runs where he breaks a tackle and then uses that speed, I just don't know, man. I, I think he's going to be well over 1,000 yards. I think he could be a you know, 1,300-yard type running back this year that would give him what an average of 130 a game that seems very reasonable you know he's going to go for 200 in a game or two but I don't know that that offensive line they just weren't very impressive right no they weren't and you hit on a really good point earlier that it didn't look like he was running his hardest and that's interesting is he running to to win to uh, to get yards, to get points, uh, to help his team, or is he running to not get hurt? You know what happens whenever you run to not get hurt? You end up getting hurt. So he's going to have to have uh, some type of turnaround mentally. Now, I don't know if it was that he wasn't feeling it because of the offensive line and the way that they were playing, but 
um, you know, the reason he had the season he did last year is because he was running his tail off every single week. So I don't know. I don't feel good about it. 1,200 yards in a season where, you know, you've got your, your wide receiver back. It's a shortened year. I, did, I just I don't know how good they are right now. I think by the end of the year, they're going to be hitting their stride. Boy, I would probably have to take the under on that. But I think the under is probably safe. That's here's a lot the of thing yards though. in a 10-game season. It's a lot of yards, and I, I just don't know how much they're going to be willing to hand him the, the rock as much as they did a year ago. I mean, that's, that's all they had last year. So yeah. They he gave had it like, to him almost 30 times against Tulsa. True. So that's I, true, which is on average. Like, he had like 300-something carries last year. So maybe he will, but yeah, I, would, we'll I would go under. We'll see. We'll keep doing that. I like that. I like that question. And so, like, on next episode, it can be a question about the OUK State coming up, the game coming up. And then when we do the recaps, it'll be a question about something about the game. It'll work perfectly. I feel good about it. I feel good about it. All right, let's move on to the National College Football Roundup. That's brought to you by Insurica. Do you own a business? If you do, you need Insurica in your life. Insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout Oklahoma, Texas, and the Southwest. Insurica is able to customize programs by accessing the latest information from many insurance carriers. They compare and contrast coverage offerings and pricing in order to design a cost-effective, comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. Insurica's clients become best-in-class businesses by working with Insurica's team of advisors to manage risk. Purchasing insurance is only one way to protect your business. Best-in-class businesses win by avoiding a loss in the first place. If your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total cost of risk. I'm an Insurica client, and you should be too. If your business wants to be best-in-class, connect with Insurica at insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A.com. All right, there were some really good games this weekend. Let's look at number 14, UCF who went on the road and beat Georgia Tech 49-21. And Dylan Gabriel looks like the real deal. UCF has some serious skill talent. Now, I think Jeff Collins has Georgia Tech headed in the right direction. The future seems very bright for the freshman QB there, Jeff Sims, who looks like he was made in a lab. Oh, my God. (laughs) That guy is impressive physically. But – As I was watching UCF, Ted, I couldn't help but think how they would stack up in the Big 12 because Josh Heupel, I mean, they've got players. Their first string, I don't know how deep they are, but their first string offense and first string defense, I think they could compete in the Big 12 easily. Uh, I, I think they would be the second, maybe the third best team at worst in the Big 12 right now. I mean... They they could come into this conference today and not look out of place. And you would – like if they came in and switched jerseys with Oklahoma State or anyone else that's been in the Big 12, they'd probably look better and no one would be the wiser that this is a non-Power 5 football team. Um, you know, they get good recruiting because they're right there in Florida in a state that's got a ton of football players. So, yeah, dude, they would be fine in the Big 12. They'd be competitive in the Big 12. I mean, I'm tempted to say that, you know, they would come in and fight to to play for the conference championship in year one. But, 
you know, um, you're right. I the agree. depth thing is is an issue, but talent wise, they don't have the talent of Oklahoma. Probably, I mean, you could say star wise, they don't have the talent of Texas. But aside from that, the, they'd be the most talented team in the conference. Yeah, and I I think they're really well coached. Uh, I know that you know it didn't go perfectly here with Heupel, but that offense was an efficient up-tempo machine and Dylan Gabriel I'm telling you right now I know it's really hot it's really hard for a group of five guy to be seriously considered for the Heisman Trophy but that dude's numbers are going to be insane this year I don't be surprised if he's if he's in New York City now that I, I assume they'll still have the Heisman ceremony <laughs> we'll see but that dude's going to put up massive numbers, and he's only a sophomore, which is maybe the scariest part. Uh, they're going to be good. That group of wide receivers they got. How about Jalen Robinson getting out there, former Sooner making some plays? That was cool to see. I like um, I, I like the way, you know, whenever you're in a flow like they are offensively and you're an offensive coordinator, it feels like everything that you call uh, works. I mean, that's how I feel about Lincoln uh, most of the time is that it doesn't matter what he would call. Uh, the players, the offensive line would block it up and make it look like it's a fantastic call. And that's kind of what it looks like with, with um, Central Florida right now. They're just – they're dialing it up. They're spreading the ball around to a bunch of different guys. They're, they're in the zone. They're, you know, I thought it was shocking whenever – was it Phil Steele picked Central Florida to make it to the college football playoff? Now, I don't know that – like, I, I still think I, the chances for that are tiny, but, I mean uh, – they're a lot has to go right, right? Yeah. Uh, and a lot has to go. Clearly, they have to go undefeated. There's no well, no doubt about that. But then you have to have several two-loss, you know, power five runner-ups, right? That's how that would have that, to happen. Like, before the Big Ten decided to come back, it made a lot more sense. Oh, you I'm know, 100% with you. I thought UCF had a good goes, chance before yeah. the Big Ten, and it looks like the Pac-12 probably getting back in it too. So, yeah, I'm I'm sure that – and that was their, right, their big game. Now, they don't have – now, just because the year is weird, they don't have another you know, power five opponent that they can beat up on and prove that they belong. But they look damn good against Georgia Tech. Now, Georgia Tech is not a great football team, even though they beat Florida State last week. Like, I know – I think Jeff Collins is going to turn that program around for sure. But UCL, they look damn good, man. They look fast. They look big, flying around. I, I was impressed with what I saw. Nope, I agree 100%. So, is Miami back? Is the U back? Number 17 Miami goes on the road and beats number 18 Louisville 47-34. De'Ara King looked really good. I, he's a lot better of a passer than a lot of people realize. And Malik Cunningham, who I guess decided he's not going by Mikhail anymore. He keeps going back and forth. It's very confusing, Malik. Please just pick one. Please. <laughs> but Malik Cunningham just couldn't make enough magic happen there for Louisville. Louisville's defense looked lost uh, going against Rhett Lashley in that Miami offense. And just so many explosive plays on offense for Miami. It was Knight and it was Harris. It was Jordan, the tight end. It was... Derek King making plays, you know, with his arm. Didn't even have to really do damage with his leg 
but maybe the biggest weapon they have, Ted. Did you see that kicker tatted up, face paint, Borregales? I mean, that dude was <laughs> – he was dropping bombs from everywhere. You could just see Manny Diaz. It was so ha- – he was so happy as this dude is just piping. What was it, like a 57-yarder? Like it was nothing. I was like, who the hell is this kid? I think that we finally have a challenge to Gabe Burkich for the kicker with the most swag in all of college football. Um, it's going to be a showdown, which it's very fitting for Miami to have a, a kicker that looks the way he does, right? I mean, that just fits right in with the U. So, man, I, I thought it was great. I thought um, – Miami's jerseys were badass. I love yeah. – the all-white look is – oh, it's clean. I've always, I've always liked Miami's uniforms, too. You know, here's the thing that I get, I guess not frustrated with, but, you know, when Oklahoma, Oklahoma's got as high-powered of an offense as anyone, like the most high-powered offense over the last five years. When Oklahoma gets a lead, they can run the football on people and close out the game. Other offensive coordinators feel like they've got to keep throwing it keep going up tempo, keep trying to score. And it kind of cheapens it a little bit for me because like to me, the true chest, the true test of a, of a champion type football team is can you run the football late in a game when you've got a lead and everyone knows it's coming. And I still see them like throwing RPOs and, and going up tempo as fast as they can and ripping the ball down the field and, They've got a good offense, and maybe they're just trying to establish a mentality with them and, and how they want to play. But, you know, if, if I was going to be really impressed with Miami, I would have watched them late in the game just pile up the rushing yards nonstop. Now, uh, to their defense, Louisville did make that little run, right? And what pulled within seven, and then it was back-to-back touchdown plays. Yeah, for Miami. So that I, I thought that was a solid answer. I, I know what you mean, but I just think with their personnel right now, uh, their offensive line is probably the weakness of that mm-hmm. offense when you really think about it because De'Aaron King's better than people think. They've got all that skill talent. They always have skill talent. And I think people have been pleasantly surprised and people were surprised that the offensive line played as well as they did against an athletic front that Louisville has. So it's, uh, I'll just say this college football is better when Miami's good. It just is, man. It is. It's fun watching those kids. It's fun watching those athletes. It's the emblem. It's the turnover chain. It's the, whatever the hell they're given. There's like diamond ring knuckle things. I don't even know what to describe them as when guys score touch. It's just, it's fun when Miami's good. And it's fun to watch that offense. I think that defense still has a long way to go. It'd be a little different if Rousseau was in there. The Roche kid, pretty damn good too. But it's just fun. It's fun to watch Miami. And I'm excited they're good. I agree. They've or, been are they down. Good? Are they good? Or well, are we just comparing them to, like, the last couple of years of Miami, which was not good? Well, I, don't, I mean, they are – Better, I guess That's is, a good is way, the yeah. way to put it. They're better. They're not going to win the ACC this year, but they're better. Oh, my God. And, did you see Clemson? Yeah. I mean. Clemson didn't score in the second half, and they won 49 to nothing. <laughs> I mean, it's 
Clemson has separated themselves. I mean, I'll tell you what they've got a chance to do. They got a chance to, if they can lock in, they got a chance to surpass Florida State. I know Florida State's been down, but you know they're moving in the right direction. I think, and I'm not so sure Florida State is right now. I mean, I know they got the new coach in there, but um, I, they're improving. They're improving. You know, the question for them is, and I know they got De'Ara King, but he's the best quarterback that they've had in a long time. Can they continue to uh, get quarterbacks in there to play? Because if they can't, it ain't going to matter. It's and not. they're going to need to pay Rhett Lashley. I thought because you were going to say pay their players again like they used to. And I was oh, about yeah, to say, yeah, not? maybe so. Well, and I will say this. There, there's all those schools that recruit Florida. There's all those schools that are in Florida. But I think Miami playing that way, primetime, ABC, like, there's going to be guys that – because it, it's really not cool to go to Miami right now. You know which what I mean? Shocking. Like, which is shocking. Which is insane to say out loud, but it's not. Like it, when, when you talk about all the programs that are ahead of Miami when it comes to the recruiting pecking order right now in college football – like the more performances they have like this and they capitalize on this one year of De'Ara King, it's going to be amazing for their recruiting. It's going to be great. So I'm excited. They don't suck anymore. I don't know how good they are, but I know that offense is going to put up some points and be fun to watch. Now, one game that we were absolutely fired up for was Houston traveling to Waco to play Baylor. Now, this was a really interesting game. It was back – oh, I'm just kidding. It got postponed. It, it got postponed because Baylor didn't meet the Big 12's threshold for players at a certain position. We don't know what position. It, that has not come out, but that sucked. Uh, I'm not sure what it means for Baylor's conference opener against Kansas. I mean, who really cares? They can play their backups probably and still beat Kansas, but – this is concerning. This is a little too close to home, Ted. This is right here in the Big 12. I don't like it. I don't like it at all. They've had two attempts to play a football game, and both have been shut down. That's not good. Here's, here's the crazy thing, and you mentioned it there with Kansas, but if it was like a last-second deal, like a Friday test, like it looks like, because Houston was already traveling to the game, their equipment truck was already there. Yeah, I saw that that tweet that Holgerson put. Right. He was like, we were ready. So – like if that last test is what got him, how is that going to be any different between now and Kansas? I mean, one week. I just don't know. Yeah, if it's a contact tracing thing, right? That's Unless they already had a couple days. of guys out at a position group, and the final test like got more guys, and then the other guys will be coming back next week. I don't know, but it doesn't look good. All in all, though, the way the Big Twelve has looked so far, I think Baylor dodged a bullet because. I don't feel very good about them going out there and winning that game. Yeah. And, you know, I the Big 12 right now, they got to get it going, man. They really do. There's It's not looking good. But things are appearing to, to look did, – Did Oklahoma State's dominant win over Tulsa not make you feel better? Come on, man. It didn't. But, you know, and, and like all the things that have happened this, uh, you know, preseason or non-conference – have been bad like I thought TCU was going to be a really good football team until they lose uh Max Duggan that was a hit but it looks like they're gonna have him back so that's gonna be awesome 
um, that'll help them out. So as long as things keep trending in the right direction for the Big 12, I think that's a good sign. But, man, I don't feel good about it right now. Resilient heart on that Duggan kid, apparently. Nice. Thank God for technology, right? Hell yeah. Good for him. That's and good for him. He had some runs last year where I was like, oh, that is fun to watch. I think he's going to be a great player. You know, um, he's big, he's physical, he's athletic. He can, he can rip the ball down the field. So, I mean, there's no one more thrilled than he is. So, you go from – Gary uh, Patterson. Yeah, Gary Patterson, yes. <laughs> you go from – Sorry, uh, well, you think that nothing's wrong with you. You're just going in for your, you know, COVID checkup. And then it's like, oh, hey, by the way, probably never going to be able to play football again. And then a couple weeks later, back out on the practice field. I mean, that's a roller coaster of emotions. I don't want anyone to have to go through. God, I love college football. A <laughs> um, couple, piece, couple pieces of college football news before we get to our segments. Uh, well, the Big Ten. They will resume play on October 24th. They released the schedule on Fox's Big Noon kickoff, which I actually enjoy quite a bit. I know a lot of people love college game day. I love college game day, but the banter on Big Noon kickoff between those guys, pretty damn good, I'm not going to lie. Urban Meyer, unbelievable on television. Didn't see it coming, but he's fantastic. But Big Ten schedule, each team playing eight games in eight weeks. No buys, uh, no room for cancellations or postponements. Bold strategy is probably the best way to put it. It almost feels like the Big Ten has set themselves up for failure, like that they just want this thing not to work. I'm just speaking out loud here. I'm just speaking out loud. But some highlights of the schedule, Nebraska, they get rewarded for saving the season by suing the conference. Just kidding. They get absolutely hammered by the Big Ten. Some would say because they were very outspoken. They kind of stepped out of line. So they get Ohio State, Wisconsin, and Penn State in three out of their first four games. Oh, my God. It's going to be a bloodbath. Yeah. How dare you want us to come back and play football? Stay in your lane. Uh, Ohio State, Wisconsin, go win them. Hey, if if you wanted to play so bad, go win the football games, okay? You're probably going to – about halfway through uh, week two, they're going to be like, okay, yeah, maybe we should opt out. We're opting out for the rest of the season. But um, that's a tough schedule. It's – I don't – I mean, maybe they did it's that on brutal, purpose. It's brutal, dude. It's yeah. a, it, of course they did on purpose. But I think Bill Moose I mean, even came out and was like, yeah, they did that to us on purpose. <laughs> I mean, here's the thing. Nebraska is not any good anyways. So uh, even if it wasn't Ohio State, Wisconsin, and Penn State, like almost everyone in the conference is better than them. So, I mean, it's going to be a difficult schedule no matter what. But um, I'm just glad they're playing. I hope they can get all the games in. Like you said, eight games in eight weeks is is tough. I guess the only thing I'm thinking is, you know, they've been back in school and they've been practicing, you know, some different rules with the practice and stuff. But, you know, hopefully they've already been through their spike from coming back to campus and they're through the worst part of it. I don't know what the numbers look like on those teams, but – and they still got five weeks to go. Uh, so, I'll say this. Scott Frost, 
he seems like a guy that would be a uh, layman theory guy. I'm just yeah. saying, you know, yeah. kind of football guy through and through, right? All their guys probably had it in July. That's why they've been wanting to come back and play so bad. It's like, what? we're fine. We've, everyone's already we're fine. Tested. We've got all our guys. <laughs> now, uh, a lot of people think that the Big Ten just coming back to play football because Ohio State can win a national championship this year. Well, the schedule kind of goes along with that line of thinking as well. Ohio, now, Ohio State does go to Penn State on Halloween. So their second game, that is not going to be an easy one. Now, it's not going to be the wide out. It's not going to be the normal atmosphere that there would be for that game. So they get lucky there. But other than that, their schedule is awfully favorable. They don't have Wisconsin, Minnesota, or Iowa. You know, they're in the West with the cross-divisional games. Um, and then they've got Michigan coming to Columbus December 12th. I'm sure it'll be very warm for that football game. Oh, my God, it's going to be so cold. I mean, I, I how mean, weird is it to say their second game is on Halloween at Penn State? Yeah, it's I really mean, bizarre. It's bizarre, and I wonder – the schedule, you know, stacks up nicely for them, but like, how game-tested are they going to be by the time, you know, the the – championships start to roll around and maybe they'll be there eight games is is plenty to get in in you know to where you're playing your best football plus they got five weeks of practice I don't know exactly how that's going to go so maybe they have a shot at it I just it would feel so wrong for a national champion to have played their first game on October 24th and coming out come out win the thing wouldn't it I mean it would be different, but hey, man, 2020. It's right? the world we live in. Yeah, 2020. They got 2020. I mean, they got a they got a national championship caliber team. There's a reason that Ryan did. Now, of course, the kids also want to play. It's not just because they're going to be really good. Like college football players want to play. That's why you see guys even on the shitty teams. Like they want to play. It's something you want to do when you're a college football player. But yeah, there's a reason Ryan Day. Uh, has been acting the way he's been acting over the last month or so. And, hey, it happened. Now, let's check in on the Big Ten's little brother who does everything that they do. Uh, that would be known as the Pac-12. The Pac-12 appears to be eyeing a Halloween start date. Now, some of the schools, they got exceptions from their governors. You look at the state of California. You look at the state of Oregon. A lot going on, but... They've got the athletic exemptions from the leadership in those states. So all signs point to the university presidents, or they call them like the CEOs or something. I don't, I don't know what the difference is. I'm not even going to pretend I do. but They don't call them the supreme beings like they do in the Big Ten? <laughs> the chancellors. <laughs> the presidents and chancellors. No, um, yeah, it's like CEOs. I keep seeing that. I, I don't know the difference. I'm not going to pretend I do, but – Sounds like something's going to get approved on Thursday. So Pac-12 only starting one week after the Big Ten. I mean, they're going to be in the picture. They're going to be in the mix, and this thing is going to get all kinds of weird, Teddy. It is. It's going to be really weird. Um, so we'll have, what, three or, well, I guess the Big 12 and the ACC were the only Power Five conferences that started football at the same time. 
the SEC still hasn't played. So um, that's just really weird that everyone's going to be starting at a different time. The SEC is going to be um, kicking it up here next week, which is going to be – that's going to change things. There's been very few good football games out there. The SEC comes right out of the gate with some big stuff happening, so that's going to be fun. But it is a weird feel to that there's no uniformity to anything, and it's all just kind of a big hodgepodge, which – that's fine. It's just going to be a really weird, random year. Like, we're going to be halfway through our season feeling good or bad about things, and then it's like, okay, Pac-12, getting it underway this week. It's like, wait, what? We're ready to quit by now. <laughs> the the thing that's going to be really annoying, and you know it's going to happen, is there's going to be people, be people that are like, you know what? The Big Ten handled this the best out of anyone. You know, they did the right thing here. It's worked yeah. out perfectly, and I'm going to want to kill every single person that says that. I'm going to be like – Especially if Ohio State wins the championship. It's going to be like, look how great Ohio State handled They were it. just so fresh. <laughs> they were so fresh. Everyone's going to move back and say, we should really start to look at an eight-week uh, eight week schedule. Just make it all happen really quickly. October 1 start date. I, I could see some things going very wrong. <laughs> In the Big Ten. Uh, yes. that, there's no wiggle room. There's not. It's Listen, I'm excited, I, I'm excited, but there is part of me that – and we talked about the 21-day quarantine contact oh, tracing bullshit that they put in there. Like, it almost feels like – They set them up to pull the plug on them. Exactly. Is it, am I crazy? That's how it feels to me. Well, if you've got, what, 7% of your – of your entire team, whoever they're testing, the population, they have to stop for a week and and there's no week to make up the game. Like right. <laughs> they're playing like, eight in a row, and that throws out uh, that, that throws the entire whole ordeal into. Like, I don't even know if they can survive one team missing one week. Like that threatens everything. This would and I I know that I have been rather critical of the Big Ten. It, and it's because the people that run those universities, they think they're better than us. They do. They don't hide the fact that they think they're better than us. And if you could ask those chancellors and presidents, like, would, would you be mad if it doesn't work out and it gets canceled and everything just comes toppling down? I guarantee you several of them would be like, no. It would just prove that we were right in the first place. Yeah, we're actually rooting for everyone to get sick is what we want <laughs> to show that we were right. Would, would not surprise me. Oh, one more piece. Speaking of getting sick, uh, Florida State's head coach, Mike Norvell, rough start to the tenure there for Coach Norvell. He uh, tested positive for COVID-19 and won't coach this week against – Miami on Saturday. Ooh, man. Now it, it's not like he's suspended or anything, so he can still do the zoom calls. He just has to quarantine. Like he can't be around the team, right? I'm sure they will come up with something creative to where he's still doing all the coaching, but Chris Thompson, who is a guy that's been head coach before, you know, had a lot of good jobs. will assume the head coaching duties, but yeah, yeah, you factor in the loss last week to Georgia Tech. Now he's got COVID-19. 
and you wonder who else will have to quarantine because last time I checked the head coach, he usually comes in contact with quite a few people on his staff, but maybe they've been very careful. He put out a statement. He was like, I don't know how I got it. <laughs> so just, just a really rough, I mean, what a shitty start for Mike Norvell at Florida state. Are we totally convinced are we completely sure that this is not Mike Norvell opting out of the season after losing to Georgia Tech? Because here's the thing. They lost to Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech got uh, pounded by Central Florida. My, like, they could be the, the, like, the worst team in Florida here within the week. And I, want, I bet he's like, you know, hmm. Why don't I'm probably going to lose that one. So <laughs> if I get coronavirus, they really can't blame that one Could on me if I'm not on the sideline. No, They're that's going funny. to lose. Yep. But you never know. Rivalry games, Florida State-Miami. Yep. Florida State could win that game, and then everyone could look at Chris Say, Thompson. Miami go, sucks again. You know, hey, look, Miami <laughs> sucks again. We suck again. I, I don't know, but rough start for old Mike Morville. All I right, feel Ted, bad for him. Yeah. Yeah, I feel bad for him. He's, he's going to feel even worse when he watches his team get their ass kicked on Saturday. We should have known, though, honestly. It should have been a red flag. I mean, it was a red flag, but we should have thought more of it whenever he came out and made a statement about how he talked to every single guy on his team personally about what was going on in the country. And then they're like, wait a second. No, you didn't, dude. And his no. star player, Marvin Wilson, was like, that didn't happen, <laughs> nerd. <laughs> Yeah, that was a that was then, a red flag. Oh, oh and we kind of and not even to mention River. He had a player come out being like, "Hey, they are not telling us the truth about our COVID results." And we all are like, <laughs> "Wait, what?" So it's it's been a rough start, rough start for old Mike Norville. All right, Ted, let, let's move on to our segments. Let's start with our winners and losers of the weekend. And Teddy's winners and losers are brought to you by Advanced Weight Loss Clinic of Sand Springs. They'll help you execute a realistic and achievable weight loss plan designed for you and only you. They've got all kinds of treatments for men and women. They're licensed and trained experts combine diet and exercise with hormone therapies to maximize your results. If you're struggling with a low libido, low energy, Advanced Weight Loss Clinic of Sand Springs can help with that too. They also offer Botox and fillers. To get on the path to losing weight, call 918-241-LOSE or visit their Facebook page, if you mention the podcast, you will get a free fat burner injection. All right, Ted, who do you have as your winner of the weekend? For my winner, I've got to go with Bryson DeChambeau. Oh, I know that hurts. It hurts. It's painful. Um, he doesn't a have a chance. That was my that was my Teddy impression. How how was that? Yeah, no way. Oh, it's pretty good. Thank it's you. Pretty good. I've been working on it. Um, this one hurt. It hurt really bad that uh, that he went out and won this thing. I'm, I'm won a hater. the thing. He yeah. crushed everyone. I mean, it's unbelievable. Obliterated yeah. the field. Brutal the only course. guy under par. Yep, brutal course. Uh, great field of players. He was six under. He was the only player that finished the thing under par, and he's the only player that shot in the in the sixties. On, on Sunday, you go and look at the scores on Sunday, it looks like something at the local municipal course. Uh, 70s, plenty of 80s in there as well. Uh, so the, the guy has gone into the lab over the, over the break during the coronavirus lockdown. He came out uh, twice the size and swinging out of his ass with the driver. 
And it paid off for him, man. If, if he can go out there and swing like that with his driver on a course that if you don't hit the fairway, it's just brutalizes you in the eight inch or 10 inch rough. I mean, look out. Cause that should be the exact opposite of what would have happened. Like this, he would be the pick not to go with, because if you're not hitting in the fairways, you got problems, but man, he was locked in and he was striping that sucker. He was driving the absolute hell out of the golf ball. Now he's still a nerd, even though he's kind of a big beefy nerd now, still a nerd. But the one thing that bothered, and it, there's not many people. I, I don't know a single person that's like, yeah, I'm a Shambo guy. Like, <laughs> I don't know a single person. But I just, I hate watching the guy putt. I hate it. it the, with how straight he has his arms, I how don't know what it he is. He just looks like he's about to, like, shit his pants. I don't know what's going on. But I can't stand it, and I, I can't root for the guy. I just can't. But – Boy, was he he was just so much better than everyone on Sunday. I I had to give the guy credit. I was I was watching football on the main TV, had the US Open going on the iPad, and I was like, this dude is just crushing everyone. And how does he drive how does he drive the ball that far that straight? I don't understand it. It's unreal. He's hitting it like nearly as far as the long drive guys. And they barely get it on the – they get it on the grid like two out of ten shots. And he's threading the needle on a U.S. Open fairway that's like 19 paces wide. It's amazing, man. It really is. God, you know you're a golf guy. You just, you just broke out paces as a unit of measurement. My goodness, what is a, official. What is a, a pace? Is that a yard? I, probably a close, right? I mean, a pace? Because here's what's weird about that, and I, now I feel stupid for breaking it out. Like, there is nothing anywhere near, like, you got to have some type of standard measurement whenever you're talking about things. Okay. Dottie Pepper's it. pace is not the same as whoever's. I Googled it. A pace, according to Wikipedia, the most reliable source on the internet, a pace is a unit of length consisting either of one normal walking step, which is approximately 0.75 meters or 30 inches, or of a double step returning to the same foot approximately 1.5 meters or 60 inches. So it sounds like a pace is one normal walking step, 30 inches. Okay. Well, there's your pace, bud. So I mean, it's not quite a okay. yard. It's not quite 19 yards. So instead of saying 19 yards, you say, or instead of saying what? You got to do some like dimensional. Yards, it would yeah, be you got to do some dimensional paces. analysis there, and then it gets hard. This is not a very, well, remember, math is not our thing on here. <laughs> right. It's is, it is not our thing. Although I could do that rather quickly. I'm, I will. I, I'm going to make a an oath right now to never use the term pace again on this on this podcast. I, I think you that. should. It it made you sound like such a golf guy. I was like when you said it, I was like, wow, 
that guy knows golf. He's talking about paces. Hmm. Yeah, I guess I could. I could start saying that, um, what, uh, Gabriel for UCF threw for 530 paces instead of <laughs> you won't, you won't sound like a douchebag at all <laughs> oh my gosh Let, let's make paces a thing let's do it all right ted who do you have as your loser of the weekend nba basketball wait nba basketball is being played exactly no i'm just kidding and now you know how big of an nba guy i've been the heat celtic series is going to be amazing uh, i don't think the nuggets have much of a chance against the lakers the nuggets are just they're worn down they've had Two incredibly emotional and long series, and the Lakers have been chilling. So, but I am still paying close attention to NBA despite the Thunder being out. But I know what you mean. I don't think there's people that even know it's happening anymore. It's like as soon as football started, it's like it's over, right? I mean, there's a there's basketball fans that are paying attention, but casual fans. I think have checked out. I mean, they're used to going up against nothing in early June, absolutely zero. And it's all there is to talk about uh, late May, early June. And right now we've got NFL coming back online. We've got uh, college football coming back online. We've got news with power five schools getting back into the mix. Um, You know, even, you know, what hockey is, is playing I know people aren't really paying attention to that and I know they usually go at the same time but it's just they're competing with everything in a time whenever they're usually competing with nothing mid-season baseball um hockey's in the playoffs but outside of that that's about it so yeah they gotta be you add the fact that everyone's watching football and locked into football and the fact that they've got no one in their stadium, like no, they're playing in the bubble. It's got to be, it's got to be bad right now, ratings wise for the so, NBA. So, now we're recording, so I know that you're 100 percent focused on doing the podcast. How surprised would you be if I told you that the Nuggets and Lakers are actually playing right now? <laughs> and that it is 103, 102 with 20 seconds left to go in the game. Oh, wow. How about that? Yeah. I mean, maybe someone will watch it in between plays of the um, Sunday night football game. I looked at it the other night. I flipped it over, and it was like I was fro- across the room. I couldn't see the score. I was like, wait a second. Does that say like 120 to 80 or something like that? I was like, on to the next thing. <laughs> Click. Yeah, it's I, – I think everyone just assumes that the Lakers are going to win the whole thing. Watch out for Miami, man. And it's I, I think it's going to be an absolute thriller of a series between the Heat and the Celtics. So much young talent in that series is ridiculous. So fun to watch. But, yeah, football football is king, my friend. It is As king. it should be. As it should be. It's the best game on the planet Earth. Now, I'll do my winners and losers, and they are brought to you by Sound Advice, A lot of us are watching our favorite football teams from home this year, which is why you need to get ready for game day with a home theater system from our friends at Sound Advice. Sound Advice can customize your home entertainment system indoors or outdoors. Sound Advice did the Wi-Fi network and all the audio visual at my new house, and it is awesome. They hide all the wires and the cable boxes, so it looks great, and I can control every TV in my house from my phone. 
and my internet has been flawless. For the best home theater systems in the Oklahoma City area, call Sound Advice at 405-549-3880 or visit soundadviceokc.com. All right, Ted, my winner of the weekend, I almost went with Harrison Butker for, I don't know, what was it, like three game-winning field goals he kicked there for the Chiefs. I don't know, there was timeouts, there was a false start. He just kept drilling them from forever away, and it would have been good from like 70, but I know how you feel about kickers. Mm -hmm. So Anthony Davis just hit a game winner. Okay, Lakers win. done. Run off. It's over. Lakers win. Lakers win. Uh, Lakers go up 2-0. Now, so I didn't go with Butker because I didn't want you to get mad at kickers. So I'm going with the Dallas Cowboys. Now that game, never in doubt, right? Never in doubt. <laughs> the Cowboys go down 20 to nothing in the first quarter. Zeke Elliott is fumbling all over the place. They mess up a fake punt that should have been an easy conversion, but they had the Falcons right where they wanted them, Ted. Dak was fantastic in this one. He, he really was, what, threw for 450, had three rushing touchdowns, you know, played from the pocket, even though his offensive line, boy, they got issues right now up front. But I, I, I just can't avoid it. The hero was Greg the leg. It was the kicker, Teddy. Big offseason sign by them bringing in the leg. Um, that was great. Now, I got to tell you, I, the, the best thing in all of sports for me is rooting against the Dallas Cowboys. It's been the greatest See? experience ever. It's, it never, ever, ever is, is lame. It's See, fantastic. I'm, I'm with you. I feel a certain way about the Cowboys. It goes back to them calling me, telling me they were going to draft me, and then not drafting me, which was not very fun. Not very fun at all. So I have been very, very bitter and openly bitter about the Cowboys. I enjoy watching them lose. That all changed when Blake Bell signed with the Cowboys. I know. So now it's like, so now it's like, I'm rooting for my best friend to do well. I want his team to do well. I can put aside, like, uh, hopefully he's only there for a year. Hopefully he signs a big deal after this one, you know. But I, I can put away that stuff just for one year, just to support Blake. I can go back to hating the Cowboys once he moves on. So, yeah, I know I get it. I get it. it I, am, I am not a Cowboys guy. I'm not. So right. I, I understand, but Greg Zerline with possibly the best onside kick of all time. What were they at? Teddy, you always talk about how special teams fuck-ups drive you insane. Yep. What was Atlanta doing? They just watched it go past 10 yards and watched the Cowboy jump on it. Like, what, <laughs> that, what was – credit to Zerline, that was awesome, right? It's just spinning, spinning, spinning. What were they doing? I don't know. They don't know the rules, I guess. I, I, I don't know what's going on there. It's, it's fascinating. Uh, you know, that as a, as a special teams watcher, something like that is, is really bad. It's not as bad as whenever guys fail to down the ball inside the five whenever it goes in for a touchback. That's the worst for me. But I, 
they've basically made it impossible to recover an onside kick these days with all the rules that they've changed and, and how you have to line up for it. You can't overload anymore. So they've made it as easy as they can for you. Just go get the football. You don't have to wait for it to go 10 yards. You can get it whenever you want. Just go. It was like the the ball was on fire. Like it was putting (laughs) off like toxic radiation or something like it's like someone told me like, Hey, that ball's covered in coronavirus. Don't touch it. (laughs) Now, Hey, Zerline buries the 46 yarder to win it. And it was cool. CD lamb had the catch to set it all up, which was fun. Had a nice day, man. He ended up being the leading receiver, right? Yeah. Had a nice day and over a hundred yards. Cowboys fans were on an emotional roller coaster. And it's all documented on Twitter. I'm sure there were some people deleting tweets like This team crazy. sucks. I hate this team. I swear to God, they're the worst ever. McCarthy, we, <laughs> we want Jason Garrett back. There was a lot of Jason Garrett love. Like, maybe we were too hard on Jason Garrett, but that was, I mean, that was a wild comeback in just some bizarre circumstances at the end of that game. Still, just all they had NFL to do was lay on the ball. Man, it's the best. I'm telling you, NFL is, it's so fun. I saw something that said, poor Falcons. I mean, because, of course, this makes everyone bring up the Super Bowl against the Patriots, but I saw something. Atlanta scored 39 points and had no turnovers. They were the first team in the history of the NFL to do that and lose. It was like, it was like 456 and one or something. Like I was like, oh, wow. my God. <laughs> the only team ever. Oh, Gosh, poor Matt Ryan. He, he probably feels like he's cursed sometime. All right, Ted, my loser of the weekend. I thought about going with Gordon Hayward because he decided he's not going to leave the bubble for the birth of his child, but it's like his fourth kid, and I think he's having another daughter. He's got all daughters, so he's just like, hey, you know what? I know what this is like. A girl, but yay. One is of this, the, this is the result of that one, right? One of the best videos ever. <laughs> Daddy's always happy. I also thought about going with Kirk Cousins because holy shit, was he bad on Sunday. But my loser of the weekend, it's got to be NFL players' bodies, their ligaments, because, oh, my God. I mean, the injury bug was biting hard. I mean, it was almost unreal. And, you know, it's football. People get hurt. But – Normally, it's not just all big-name guys. That's what was so startling about Sunday was Nick Bosa tears his ACL. You're going, oh, my God. Saquon Barkley tears his ACL. You're like, what? Drew Locke. Now, he's not, you know, an established guy yet, but, I mean, he's a starting quarterback for the Broncos. Sprains his AC joint. Who knows how long he'll be out with that. Raheem Mostert. Sprains his MCL, Jimmy G, high ankle sprain. Christian McCaffrey sprains an ankle. Devontae Adams hurts a hammy. I mean, Tyrod Taylor got hurt in warm-ups or something like re-aggravated something, warming up for the game, and we got to see some Justin Herbert, and he was pretty damn good. He was ripping it. It was fun to watch, but, yeah, I just – I know that we expected a bunch of soft tissue stuff, right? Hammies, maybe some calves, maybe a quad every once in a while, but – and I know there was a lot being made about MetLife, that field there, and some guys thinking that that thing is an ankle and knee shredding machine with mm-hmm. how your feet stick there. So that, that is something to 
keep monitoring, but holy hell, man, this, that, it was at one point, it was like hard to keep track of how many guys were hurt. I saw, I didn't watch the game, but I, it came up on the, on the scroll on the bottom of another one later, the 49ers and it said Nick Bosa left the game and then it just keeps going with guys on the list that left the game and I was like wait a second all of those guys on one well, team and, and the the Giants that I mean I don't know man I don't know if brutal field or what but that's well here's the thing Gabe that sucked father time is undefeated but so is his lesser-known distant cousin, Mr. Virtual Offseason. Because <laughs> let me tell you something, the virtual offseason strikes again. These guys, hamstrings, knees, ankles, shoulders, everyone was in the gym. Shep hurt his toe today, too. Like, I saw yeah. he, like, he went out with a toe. I wasn't watching the Giants game, but I saw that. I was like, I mean, it just kept Here's adding the- up, piling up. Here's what we talked about. So everyone was uh, doing curls and bench press, but they weren't running sprints and doing change of direction drills. And that's how you build. I mean, you got to build up the the ligaments and tendons of your body as well, not just the muscle. And that's how you do it. Some of that real hard change of direction stuff. But here's the thing. We talked about this last week. Had hardly any contact in the training camp. No preseason games at, at, at full go. Last week was week one. So you go in and pound those bodies. I know those guys were sore as hell. And you go in in a weakened state into week two, and that's whenever guys start popping stuff. And there was a, it's, it's there just was a lot of popping, a lot of tearing. I'll, I'll tell you, and I know that the NFL is collectively bargained, but if I was an NFL franchise owner, I would do everything I could in the CBA to, to get control of my players off season and, and make sure that people are in shape, prime, healthy, uh, ready to go. I mean, there's, there's, we throw in rest way too much for these guys. There's, there's a fine line between rest and, you know, losing pace on being conditioned and calloused for the season. Yeah. And, before we move on, I do want to throw in an honorary winner of the weekend, Anthony Davis. Uh, the three just hit to win the game that Teddy clearly does not care about. It it was a pretty sweet shot. Twenty two points in the second half for him. Had is it better than that three he hit at Chesapeake? That dagger that ended up costing us uh, later God. in the season. Why'd you have to bring that up? He just like turned. And, he's gotten a lot better since then, but that was still like like one of the worst things I've ever witnessed in basketball. Yeah. All right. Let's move on and let's wet the beak and wet the beak is brought to you by Tim Hughes custom homes. Are you looking to build your dream home? If so, Tim Hughes is the man you're looking for. Tim Hughes custom homes is a one-stop shop for all your home building needs. He can find you a lot. He can find you an architect. He'll find you financing. And of course he can build your dream home exactly the way you want it. Sounds too good to be true. Well, Tim found my wife and me a lot. He found us an architect and built our new house. Tim and his team were so easy to work with. They continue to be so easy to work with. And just a reminder, he's built several office buildings. So if your business is looking to build a custom office, Tim Hughes is your man. 
You can see Tim's custom builds throughout Gallardia, Nichols Hills, Oak Tree, Stone Mill, and Rose Creek. It is a great time to build the house of your dreams. For more information to see Tim's spectacular work, visit his Instagram page at Tim Hughes Custom Homes or visit TimHughesCustomHomes.com. All right, we're going to wet the beak with Monday night football. The Saints will be traveling to Las Vegas to take on the Las Vegas Raiders, which is still pretty weird to say, but it will be the debut of Allegiant Stadium out there in the desert. Now, no fans, so probably not what the Raiders or the NFL wanted for the stadium's debut, but I'm sure it'll still be cool. Old buddy Sean Payton and John Gruden will be going at it for the first time in a while, and there's a lot of angles to look at this game from, we can talk about Drew Brees versus Derek Carr, but it does seem like that this game could just come down to whether or not the Raiders can run it effectively against that Saints defensive front, which I, I think Cam Jordan is the best defensive end in the game. Uh, I, I've said that for a couple of years now, ever since I was teammates with them. The guy can play the run, and he absolutely gets after the passer. But – I think we'll see a big dose of Josh Jacobs in this game. We'll try to put Derek Carr in good situations. It, it doesn't help that it looks like Trent Brown, the mountain of a man that plays offensive tackle for the Raiders, looks like he's going to be out for this one. Michael Thomas also going to be out with the ankle for the Saints. So that certainly changes things. But if there were fans, I would like the Raiders a little more, but this is one of those things where I think no fans, it, it actually does kind of matter. I just think the Saints are the better football team right now. So the Saints are a five-and-a-half-point favorite, and I like them winning by seven. So give me the Saints uh, to, to cover the five-and-a-half. I, I think it's going to be a, a one-touchdown win for Drew Brees and Alvin Kamara and the Saints. Yep. Uh, I'm with you 100%. Lay the points. I think Which they may win. Which means that the Raiders are going <laughs> to win by 20. Got it. Okay, perfect. I, I, think the, I think the Saints are the better football team. Um, they do have a couple of injuries that, that could be uh, a big part of the game. But I think they're an all-around solid football team. I think they're going to run the ball well. Uh, the passing game is, as always, going to be effective with, with Drew Brees. But – you know, the one-two punch that they've got at running back right now with Kamara and Latavius Murray is pretty good. Um, so I like them there. I just – I don't think the Raiders are going to be able to run the ball like they did in week one against Carolina. Right. And that was the real key to their success. Derek Carr, in my opinion, is totally average. And whenever he's got a running game that's going and he's got favorable down and distances, keep the defense on their heels where they can't be as aggressive – that's whenever he's going to play well. If they can't run the ball and they become, you know, third and 10, third and 12 situations, defenses can change things up, blitz, sit back in coverage, keep things moving for him. He's not nearly as good. And I think the Saints are going to be able to do that. He's probably going to – what in the first game, he was 22 of 30. Eight incompletions. He's not going to be anywhere near that against the Saints. So I, I think that's the thing. The other, the other deals, they're not going to be out in front like they were. I think they're probably going to be chasing the Saints the whole game, which means they got to open things up, and that's usually not a good sign with Carr. Give me the Saints. Yeah, and then you talk about, you know, Marshawn Lattimore and 
was it Janoris Jenkins over there on the other side? They got a they got a couple of good corners there in New Orleans. Now let's hope. I wish no- that stadium was going to be full. How pissed are they that they rushed like hell to get that billion dollar stadium built just in time for no fans? Can you imagine? Now I don't I don't know much about construction. Uh, I'm not going to lie, but when construction workers work overtime, like there's an overtime pay, right? I assume for construction or something like to that effect. Well, usually the way it goes is there's a contract for the construction of the stadium or whatever it is, and it has to be done by whatever date. And if it's not done by that date, the construction group builder, whatever you want to call them, has to pay like a fine for every however long that it's not done. So usually they start off with a standard pace. And as it always does, things devolve and it turns into a rat race at the end where you got to have crews working overtime. And yeah, they have to pay overtime, but I mean, it's it's built in for them. Right. You know? I got you. Yeah. Once again, I don't know anything about construction. And so someone please chime in in the comments and tell me how stupid that was and how wrong that is. And I Teddy, know you're an idiot. Neither of you <laughs> know anything about construction, but yeah, I, I assume I, I know one thing. It cost a shit ton of money to build that stadium. A and they ton. thought they were going to have fans. <laughs> they thought they were going to have fans mm. and they're not, but I think I like the matchup. You know, one thing it is going to be, a great uniform game. There's no doubt about that. There is nothing better in football than a black uniform. I'm telling you, it's awesome. And the two great unis, the, the saints, I mean the, the gold and the black and the white, and then the Raiders with the silver and the black and the white. That's just, that's just a great Jersey matchup. It's, It's aesthetically pleasing. So what the Raiders are going to go silver and black, and then the Saints will do black pants, white jerseys. You think? Yeah, maybe or maybe. Hey, the Saints white all white. white. Oh, maybe maybe the best jersey in the NFL. I hope they rock the all whites because those are. When I was playing for them and they gave me one of those jerseys, I was like, "Oh my God, this is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen." It looks a lot better than the black pants and white jersey. Completely for sure. agree and. Since it's not grass, since it's inside, you know, there's no reason. Yeah. Equipment managers are the ones that make teams wear those because they're like, we're not wearing white pants on grass. <laughs> They'll get ruined, guys. I mean, the equipment managers are the ones that decide that. Fun fact. All right, Ted, let's finish up with everyone's favorite segment, and that is keeping it local, where we highlight what's going on in the great state of Oklahoma. And keeping it local is brought to you by Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School. As schools are reopening in the fall, Parents want to provide the best possible educational experience and spiritual development for their children. There's no better place for that than Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School. A one-to-one iPad setting makes McGinnis' students fully prepared to continue high-level learning from home. A 12-to-1 student-to-teacher ratio guarantees no student is overlooked. In addition to athletic programs and clubs, Bishop McGinnis' college prep curriculum offers 22 AP courses. Financial aid is available. For more information, visit bmchs.org. All right. For keeping it local, I was I was planning on talking about Chris Paul making second team All NBA and how the Thunder 
now have the longest streak in the league, you know, having a guy on the all NBA teams. And then I was like, well, it's football season. No one really cares about basketball right now. So I called an audible and I was like, you know what? There is some new information about OU's seating policy that I found very interesting. And I was like, I need to get Teddy's thoughts on this because OU came out with the new seating policy for the upcoming K-State game. I guess they didn't like what happened in the student section in the opener. And I was far away from the student section. So I didn't notice, didn't even know this was the thing, but I guess there wasn't a ton of mask wearing and social distancing going on in the student section. Color me shocked. I'm shocked. (laughs) But so there's some new things in place. They are going to designate, designate seating sections on student tickets. Okay. Seems reasonable. Uh, There's going to be clearer signage for the students uh, to uh, that they can Know where they're supposed to sit in the student sections. They are establishing clusters of two to 10 for student seating. And they are making it clear which sections are off limits for students. There's going to be more security to help the students and to monitor the student section. And there's also some whispers. So that means, that means masks and, you know, sitting where you're supposed to sit and all that stuff. But there was also some whispers, whispers, that if the students mess it up during the K-State game, that there could be a reduction or even an elimination of student tickets. I have zero faith in these college kids to pull this off. They may prove me wrong, but I saw all this, and I just laughed. I was like, hey, I know OU's trying to do their best. I know it's, it's about the optics and all these things, but the, the student section is a cesspool no matter what year it is. Like it, it, and I know coronavirus is going on still. It's different, but weird stuff happens in that section every year. Weird things, Teddy. I, I hope it works. I just don't see it working. I don't. Well, Gabe, you know, I, um, I've been known to have a little bit of a lead foot whenever I drive. I like to go fast. My dad says it comes from my grandpa. My grandpa was the same way. He liked to go fast. Okay, so whenever I'm driving down the highway and I'm speeding, I'm trying to get somewhere in a hurry. If the speed limit sign was bigger and clearer it would not slow me down i know the speed limit i'm making the conscience choice to to go above and beyond that speed limit so you're saying clearer signage would not change your behavior correct um sections showing them the sections that are off limits well you don't have to do that on your ticket it tells you where your seat is Not only is every section in the rest of the stadium off limits, but every seat in the rest of the stadium is off limits. You're told the one seat that you're able to sit in. It's not a suggestion that, well, you know, you can sit in this seat. As long as you're in this section, though, you can go anywhere you want. No, you get the one 
C1 section. Now, I know the students in their deals probably done a little bit differently, but still, I mean, it's not that difficult. I don't think they were breaking the rules because they didn't know the rules. They were breaking the rules because they don't care. Just like sometimes whenever I speed, I'm making the decision to go ahead and break that rule. Now, we do need to note the difference between the Missouri State game mm-hmm. and the Kansas State game. Missouri State was a 6 o'clock kickoff. Kansas State was an 11, <laughs> is an 11 a.m. kickoff. Typically, students come to the games rather inebriated. And when you have an extra seven hours <laughs> to get lubed up, Maybe you don't have all of your wits about you. Maybe you're not making the wisest decisions. Maybe you can't read the clear signage, Ted. Maybe you're Good seeing. That's a fair maybe, point. Maybe it's a little blurrier. Maybe you just don't care. Maybe you didn't notice it, right? So Here's the thing, though. Maybe the At l- the end of the day, I mean, if they take away the student tickets, I don't think anyone's going to be upset other than a couple of students because – they're probably going to sell those seats to people that are wanting to get in the game right now because it's limited capacity. That's true. That's true. Maybe that, maybe this is their master plan all along. Hire some students to go in there and sabotage the whole thing. I need you to not wear a mask and tell everyone to just sit next to each other. (laughs) Sabotage saboteur. I don't know. I, I, oh, you doing their best, right? I I guess that's the, the bottom line in, I I do know one thing about drunk college students. Or maybe maybe things have changed since I was in college, but if you tell a drunk college student not to do something, it tends to make them want to do it. I'm just saying. Well, I you know, I so this is funny. You didn't watch so where you were sitting or I guess you guys were outside whenever this happened. Yeah, Fan Fest. So they open up the stadium for the students to come in. So they, they've moved the student section, right? Which this goes against everything that I just said, but it's still funny. They, I guess it's all the way down in the northeast corner now. And it used to be kind of right behind the visitor's bench. Which so is all exactly the kids, where you want a student section. Right. All the kids like pour in and they all run in to where the normal student section is and they all get in there and there's not a whole bunch of them, but they're all sitting there. Then someone has to come and like point and like, no, it's, it's down. So then they all like mosey over to another section and then they're like, no, no. Yeah. Keep going. Oh, it's keep <laughs> all going the way down to the corner in the corner. No, no, no. The worst seat in the stadium. <laughs> That's where you guys are. It took them a half hour to get everyone to just slowly like migrate over to each section is pretty funny. Well, they are going to have clearer, clearer signage, signage <laughs> to go sit in their clusters, clearer signage for the clusters. Well, I mean, I can't, two I can't to wait 10, to see though, how it goes. For student seating, clusters of two to ten, I mean, there's a big difference between a cluster of two and a cluster of ten. I mean, that seems pretty weird. Yeah, I guess. there are, are there still people in college that live in those big houses where there's like seven or eight dudes in one house? That was never something I wanted to no, know. Those well, houses how in the are hell would so you disgusting. ever verify that? I have no idea. I'm glad it's not my job. <laughs> 
seems tough. At what point is it no longer a cluster? I mean, two is not a cluster. That's a pair. Four is probably a cluster. Is 10 more than a cluster? A large cluster? A large cluster. (laughs) I can guarantee you one thing. That student section is going to be a cluster fuck. (laughs) There's no doubt. We'll see. It's entirely my fault that we spent too much time on cluster and pace today hey, sorry about that it's okay you know we're we're learning things on the podcast and episode 44 ted in the books we'll have a new podcast that'll drop thursday morning just a reminder you can hear teddy from two to six on sports talk 1400 you can hear me on sirius xm big 12 radio channel 375 hope you all have a great week until next time we appreciate y'all for listening and do what you always do Oklahoma. take care of each other Just one more time